millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the No Ratings Podcast, a place that's going to be your space for everything internet, football and good vibes. Before I tell you who I'm joined by, let me tell you what we've got in this episode. It is absolutely action-packed. We're going to be looking at the best debuts of the weekend, Nunez, Jesus, Haaland, but we're also going to be looking a little bit left field. I think Haaland is almost like a goal-scoring robot already, proven by his record, but he's built for that City team because of how methodical he is. Like He gets a chance, he scores. It's almost inevitable. Midfielders are the talk of the town. Adrian Rabiot going to Manchester United. Liverpool's eight midfielders but plenty of injuries. We may also talk about some fancy outfits. Adrian Rabiot, man. What the hell are Man United doing? They have every single midfielder in the world to pick and they get this guy, look at him, struggling at Juventus. Juventus fans are celebrating that this man is going. With Arsenal's All or Nothing documentary coming out, we're also going to have a little bit of a look at which other clubs you'd like to see an All or Nothing documentary from. The dynamic there must have been amazing. you got Big Sam with his pints of wine and chips and gravy and you got all these exotic stars. I just want to see how did Big Sam relate to these kind of guys. And a brand new feature, the no rating shout out of the week. You'll have to listen to the end to find out what that's all about. Make sure if you're listening on Spotify podcast or wherever you are listening, whatever device you're using, give it a five star rating. Listen all the way through because watch time stroke listening time is absolutely critical. Thank you very much. And finally, today I'm joined by a brand new cast, three new members. And as always, I'm going to get the boys to introduce themselves. 
because it's just much more fun. Uh, so Sam, you can go first. Tell us about yourself. And also, I want to hear a fun fact. Yeah, my name's Sam. I work in social media. I'm an Arsenal man all the time, all day. And uh, a fun fact for me is that I was at the London Stadium for Usain Bolt's last ever 100 metres race. Wow, that's absolutely exceptional. Um, Beautiful. I quite, quite like that fact. I, don't, I, I believe I was there, but not actually at that race. So okay. completely pointless on my end. Um, <laughs> Ribbity, go ahead. Hi, my name is Remedy. I work in finance and also I'm a content creator. And a fun fact about myself is I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think I hate Manchester United more than I love Arsenal. <laughs> it's a weird fact when you have to say the word think in there. Um... <laughs> no, it's, it's a, you know what? You're right, but it's true. I hate them more than I love Arsenal. Amazing. Perfect. We're going to be, talk- we're going to be talking United at length. Uh, Raj, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so uh, my day job is a junior doctor, but I also have a big interest in football tactics, uh, right for BBC. Uh, fun fact about myself is my first favourite sport was not actually football. I don't know if you can class this as a sport, but my first passion was chess. And I used to be one of the best chess players in my county until football took over my heart. That feels like a bit of a, um, a blurb of a book. <laughs> I want to read the rest. I want to know what happened. Well, why did the chess story stop? We'll, we will talk about this on another day. There's lots to get through, but uh, I am very keen to know why the chess story uh, stopped. And I like the fact that Raj and Sammy went for real facts, whereas Remedy just decided to um, go after a, an entire football club. Um, <laughs> you, which you got me. You, you, you can me. have plenty of time to do that. Seeing as we've got three new debuts here, uh, we should move into uh, the best debut of the weekend just gone. Game week one has gone by. Plenty of drama, plenty of goals. Uh, Darwin Nunez on the score sheet. Gabby Jesus not making plays for fun uh, and looking like Arsenal's messiah. Uh, and Erling Haaland, the robot, scored the first and the second. Uh, so now that we've addressed the three obvious ones, Rumi, I'm going to start with you. Is there anyone else who stood out this weekend as the standout debut performance? You know, one performance that I really liked was Joe Palinho from uh, from Fulham. What he was able to do was bring a lot of calmness to that team. And I watched him, funny enough, I went to Lisbon in January and I watched Sporting versus Braga. And I was like, this guy, this guy was running the show. Him and Mateusz Nunch. Them two together in that midfield were breaking up everything. They were progressing the ball really well. And when you look at Joao Palinha, he's not like one of the players that are like show-offy. But what he is is a player that can do all the tidy things really well. And for a team like Fulham, when they need to keep the ball, Palinha is very good at it. I was also very impressed by him. I did tweet saying he's got 18 legs because I felt like he was he was basically everywhere. Uh, and <laughs> United have already had about 12 mentions. Uh, United should sign this guy. And I said that when uh, before Fulham signed him, before Fulham were even anywhere near signing him. Uh, Raj, any standout debuts for you? Um, I'm going to go for a basic one. and it's, I'm just going to go for Erling Haaland straight up. Uh, I think obviously Man City haven't played with an orthodox nine for a few years now since Aguero really was a regular. Uh, Jesus is playing on the wing. Foden was playing more of a false nine last year. I thought just how Man City adapted to Haaland start a play straight away. That really impressed me. And how Haaland adapted to them uh, with De Bruyne and Gundogan finding those runs that he was making. I thought that was really impressive, just one game in or even two games in after the Community Shield. Um, that's kind of a scary thought for the rest of the Premier League, but they're already clicking as a unit. 
it's quite interesting when you think about the Community Shield game. We missed that open net and he grinned after. I can't get this thought out of my head that even when he scored the second goal, it felt like I was watching a robot. Like, it was all in in one motion. It was all very... I, I don't know. I, I, does anybody else get this vibe? That it feels like Erling Haaland's like a robot from a different planet and, and it, even his dad's celebrating. It was, it was like... The, what's that guy in... Um, Rocky called with the blonde hair. Ivan Drago, I think. It, it was big time Ivan Drago vibes. Right. <laughs> That's what Man-, Man City does to you, though. There are loads of people have said it. I think that our friend of the podcast, Grizz, said it many times that Man City are robots. I don't know if it's just Pep does to players. I think Haaland is almost like a goal scoring robot already, proven by his record. But yeah, he just slots, he's built for that City team because of how like methodical he is like he gets a chance he scores it's almost like inevitable um so he's perfect fit for that city team like you say it's just, it's just ridiculous when he's in front of goal 99 of the time goes in and even yeah, if you look at the interview with jeff shreves afterwards shreves oh my like, god <laughs> and again he came with that robotic outlook on it he was like yeah good start now we must move to the next week he didn't even <laughs> celebrate or kind of enjoy what he'd just done a weird dude, man. Weird dude. Just quickly, Sam, was there any other debuts that stood out for you? Um, I, I got a rep. Uh, obviously, you said Jesus, so I got a rep the other boy, Zinchenko. Um, I thought he was really solid. I think you can see the way Arteta wants the, our left-back to play. We always seem to have our right-back tucks in as like a centre-back, and the left-back has the freedom of the pitch almost to like go in centre-mid, overlap uh, Martinelli. The way Zinchenko moves the ball, man, he's just... It's just a, an, another extra extra bit of quality that Arsenal team needs, a bit of leadership, a bit of composure, um, which we haven't had because Tierney's been crocked for most of the year as well. Um, a couple other shouts as well were Andreas Pereira at Fulham. I thought because everyone had written him off at United that he's just like, mm. he's a bit of a showboat. He scored a fancy goal once a year and he's, he can't do it. Whereas playing Liverpool, playing such a a boss defence, first choice midfield. He really looked really dangerous, almost as if like this is his chance to finally prove himself. And obviously when you got Mitrovic to feed, then you're going to look even better. So shout out to Pereira as well. No, I take that back. No, I take that back. Take that back. When I watched Andreas Pereira, I, I was fuming. I was fuming when what? I watched this guy. Honestly. Oh, he was all honestly. right. This is Man United hate no. coming through now. Yeah, here we no, go. No, no, honestly, no, no, I'll be, no, I'll be for real. I'll be for real. I literally tweeted during the game, what is Andreas Pereira good at? Because every time the ball came to him, he had a few different passing options that could have had like a third or a fourth or maybe even a fifth goal for Fulham. And he just made the wrong decision. But I, I was actually fuming watching him. I, I don't know if it was me. Maybe, maybe... I don't know, man. I think give him the benefit of the doubt because it's Liverpool, but he was all right. he was good. Maybe maybe your standards are higher than mine. Maybe that's it. Uh, His set pieces are I... fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. On on this point, then Remedy, seeing as we're talking about an ex Manchester United player, uh, I feel like the the red mist is already seeping through. So we may as well head to the red part of Manchester where Adrian Rabio is set to sign for Manchester United. I won't say anything else from you because for those that can't see, you're just shaking your head. So please, I'm giving you the mic. Take the floor. What is going on in your head and why is Adrian Rabio causing you so many problems? You guys can hear me? Loud and clear, right? All right. We've got you. Adrian Rabio, man. What the hell are Man United doing? 
they have every single midfielder in the world to pick and they get this guy whose mum let me not talk about his mum because I'll get cancelled and this podcast <laughs> will be thrown off the airwaves yeah when it comes to Adrian Rabio, I think he's a very inconsistent player if this was four or five years ago when his reputation was still there I would have been like you know what it's not a bad signing but now I look at him struggling at Juventus Juventus fans are celebrating that this man is going how do you th- how how do Man United fans feel that's what I want to know and they must feel horrid yeah they must feel absolutely shambolic right now and I love every minute of it as Rimedy said inconsistent and he's actually getting worse uh, as time progresses and secondly the Man, Man United's gaping hole in the midfield is a number six who is good defensively uh, and can build the play from the back. Uh, Rabio's not that. He's a box-to-box midfielder when he's been in his best games. So I don't know what they're trying to target in terms of profiles. That's another common theme with Man U signings. They target the wrong type of midfielders. And ironically, Juve are going to replace Rabio with Leandro Paredes, who would actually be a much better fit for United as a number six. And I'm telling you now, Juventus aren't a well-run club. But they're better run than Manchester United. And that says a lot about where they are at the moment. Is it time to adorn them as Banter FC now? Like, you know, <laughs> Arsenal have had the tag for about <laughs> six to eight years, you know, and this justified. Is it time? Can we call them Banter FC now? Oh, yeah. They're, oh. They've gone far beyond Arsenal levels now, I think. Yeah, uh, Hold that. Hold that. <laughs> Hold that. It, 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 it. <laughs> this is no, the dawn of a new era as well. And they've started it off badly <laughs> after one game and one transfer window. So jokes aside, jokes aside, when um last point is that like you saw Brighton play and they signed Moises Caicedo in January for such really? a cheap price. I think it was below ten million pounds. And then he's playing them completely off the park. They said no to him in January. He went mm-hmm. to Brighton and he showed them levels. This is this is yeah. It's an L. I'm just gonna uh, sidetrack a second from Adrian Rabio just because I found something you just said hilarious, Sam. If you haven't seen the clip of Yeri Mina and Sterling from the weekend, someone clipped it up on TikTok and was saying at the end, "Look at that, on Sterling's back," and I, I was absolutely <laughs> gone. Uh, that arch was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what. I think Sam, why are you analysing the back? The, like, it's Mate, wrong. you've seen that it is... retweeted on Twitter the million times. It's mad. I'll be real. Yeah. That arch is top five. It was the highlight of the game. Crazy, the game, man. the game was dead. That was the best bit. <laughs> Let's get back to Adrian Rabio. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not one to um, really defend this transfer. I think United are having an absolute stinker. They've gone from Frankie De Jong to Adrian Rabio. The 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 profile, the difference in profile of the two midfielders is like is night and day. Um, but there is definitely some sort of a, an argument from United fans. United Trey, who's very well known on uh, Manchester United Twitter. Tweeted 24 trophies at 27 years of age. Winner. Um, Now, those trophies do include five French League Cup wins, five French Super Cup wins. Um, Yeah, it stinks. I can't lie. (laughs) They're they're not the best trophies in the world. I was going to say, let's let's add the Audi Cup on top of that. Yeah, (laughs) let's add everything. It, It should... It is a massive worry for United that they've ended up with Adrian Rabiot. I think for the first time, United fans collectively, aside from the odd few, are absolutely fuming about this transfer. Uh, And as Raj said, the fact that Juve are absolutely happy to let go of him uh, and replace him with a better player tells you United are dealing with the devil, essentially, because Juve are horrific at running their football club. Um, Quickly moving on, 
Liverpool also have a midfield problem. Uh, Adrian Rabio, thankfully for Liverpool fans, was not on their list because that would absolutely reek. Uh, Raj, I'm going to come to you first because you have you are known for someone who goes after the Liverpool board. Um, and I, I just want to put a thought out there. Liverpool have eight midfielders. Um, Thiago has picked up a six-week injury. Liverpool have this problem again where we know for a fact Thiago will be injured. Cato will probably be injured at the exact same time at some point. Ox is injured. We don't know how long for. Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Fabio Cavalli are all way too young to throw in there. 36-year-old James Milner, as much as I love him, probably is the right, isn't the right profile to compete with City. And then you're left with Henderson and Fabinho. And we all know, Raj, you hate Henderson. <laughs> it's absolute facts. Um, which leaves you with Fabinho, which is the only midfielder you actually like. Is Klopp partially to blame here? Because there's obviously a lot of blame to FSG aren't paying, FSG won't do this, that, and the other. FSG have spent money. But Klopp is also the opposite of what Liverpool fans are saying and saying eight midfielders is more than enough. I don't want a selection dilemma like Pep Guardiola. Is Klopp to partially blame? Yeah, I mean, my position has changed on this a lot. You, I used to be in the camp of blaming Fenway Sports Group for not funding enough in, uh, and putting enough funds in the, in, in the kitty to provide signing. But I've changed my view completely. Klopp is one of the best managers in the world. He is in a position of power. He could demand signings if he really wanted to. That's what someone like Antonio Conte does. That's what someone like Pep Guardiola does. That's what Thomas Tuchel has been doing in pre-season. They're actually demanding signings. Klopp has a completely different attitude. He doesn't do that. I do think there is a bit of, of that spirit missing in him in terms of being an ultimate winner. I think he, sometimes he is comfortable just competing and being in and around things rather than actually doing the, making the final step, step and, get, uh, and, and pushing for trophies really hard. I think that will be unpopular with some Liverpool fans, but that's my belief. Um, and, and that midfield issue is huge. I think if you look at Liverpool's drop points last season, uh, in, in most of the games... It was because Thiago or Naby Keita were not starting in that kind of controlling midfield position. Those two have got known injury uh, problems. Um, and again, they've come already in the first game. Thiago's injured. Keita was unavailable for the first game. Um, and yeah, and as you say, Jordan Henderson, I think he's on a declining part of his career. I think you can't really argue with I that. I think you've, you've said that in uh, much harsher terms on the internet, uh, may I add? <laughs> I mean, I've kind of toned down over the last few, a few years slash months. But I, I think it's inarguable now that he needs upgrading. Um, Harvey Elliott is obviously a big talent, but he's still very young and raw. I don't think you can rely on him for 50 to 60 games. I actually wouldn't mind Henderson being a backup to Fabinho in that number six role. As a number eight, he doesn't provide enough um, goals or assists. He doesn't really combine well with Trent and Salah. You saw when Harvey Elliott came to that right-hand side and midfield position in the second half, Liverpool started playing a lot better. So, yeah, it's a big issue for me. Is it an issue also that Liverpool just seem to keep signing injury-prone players? Like, you know, any Arsenal fan could have told you back in the day when they signed Oxlade-Chamberlain that, look, this guy's injured quite a lot. Uh, I don't know if how I don't know Kate's record at uh, before he came to Liverpool, but yeah. obviously he's he spent half the time injured. Uh, Thiago was uh, quite often injured as well. Apart yeah. from that, obviously he had one year won the treble and then has mm. been injured again since. Elliot long term injury. So and then Klopp seems negligent to like then add. He almost like has too much faith in this core group. And this year is the first year he's almost got rid of like quite a few of them, Origi, Minamino, um, etc. Long-term players that were there. So it's a bit like he's loyal to these players, but 
then they're now not there. So what, he's going to have to rely on Cavalio in his first year in the Prem. Elliot, who's played six games and then been injured the rest of the time. It seems a bit naive. Rimini, I feel like Arsenal have been at this point before with a different manager uh, in Arsene Wenger, where the manager had uh, a ridiculous amount of trust in his players. Mm. Um and now we're at a stage where Liverpool fans have so much trust in the manager that whatever Klopp does or says tomorrow, Liverpool fans will follow as gospel. I'm not saying that's a problem, but I'm saying at this moment in time, are, are Liverpool fans going to look back and go, Klopp should have signed a midfielder. We missed out because of that tiny margin, and that's on Klopp. Or are they going to say FSG should have bought him a midfielder? I think the way that we look at Klopp now, I think he's become bigger than a manager. He's become bigger than a head coach. I think now we're looking at Klopp as an institution within Liverpool. So as you said, if he says something, the fans are just going to lap it up straight away. If he says, I want you guys to run into the wall for me, they're going to say brick wall, cement, whatever type of wall they're running into. So I feel like when it comes to Klopp, I think, I don't know if there's a team around him that has... Like, are, are they looking at players aside from the ones that are in the media? Are they waiting for FSG to say something? And I think in a few years' time, as you say, I think they're going to look back at this period and they're just going to be like, OK, Klopp, even though we love him, we love him, we love him, he should have been more proactive in this situation. Because I just think waiting for Jude Bellingham in a year's time, like, I don't know, me, personally, as a fan, I would hate to be like, okay, we're going to sign Drew Bellingham in one year and we're not going to do anything now. I would hate that because it just means that we're sacrificing the now for the future. And I don't even think Jude Bellingham is the best option for Liverpool if we're, if we're calling a spade a spade. So we're waiting for all of that time and then we're hoping Jude Bellingham comes in. But then what about now? What are we doing now? I don't know. And then you've got to think about it. Next summer, Oxley chamberlains out of contract. Naby Keita is out of contract. James Milner is out of contract. So what is Jude, one Jude Bellingham is not going to be enough anyway. So you may as well get one guy in now and then get Bellingham in next summer. Uh, Remedy, if, if I'm right here and my hearing serves me well, which it normally does, did you just say Bellingham isn't the best option? No. What did you say? <laughs> I said no. Look, what did you say about Bellingham? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I said about Bellingham. Bellingham is a great player. But I just think he's way better closer to goal. I think when players like Thiago are injured, like, okay, cool. Let's say Bellingham was in your team now and Thiago was injured. Having a midfielder, Fabinho, Henderson and Bellingham, I would personally dislike it because it means right, that right. Nobody, nobody's there that can touch yeah, the ball. It's, it's not the techie. Ball. There's no tech. It's not, no, tech, tech is a strong word. Everyone mm. has tech. But it yeah. just means the qualities that the players have don't really suit what they need in some situations where they're trying to break down a low block. All they're going to do is find Trent and Trent's going to cross the ball in a hundred million billion times. So and there'll be certain situations control. where Bellingham's needed. And he's there's a lack of control as well in that midfield. Exactly. You need a guy, if Thiago or Keita are injured, Keita's going to be leaving anyway next summer if, if he didn't sign a contract, who can add that control in that kind of deeper position next to Fabinho. As you say, Bellingham and Henderson, very similar profiles. You're going to be box to box trying to get high up the pitch. You need a guy sitting there next to Fabinho. So I, I do think there's been strong links to Mateus Nunes uh, still this summer for Liverpool. He is that kind of controlling presence that Rimmedy's talking about. And he, I think he's an ideal fit. 
Is there a time where Trent, just to cut a quick ad, is there a time where Trent goes in centre mid, Joe Gomez comes in at right back? I, I honestly, this, this Trent centre mid thing. Nah, that's um, not I'm, going. I'm not coming after you. I'm coming after you, Sam. Trent, <laughs> for those at home that are thinking I'm being awfully horrible on Sam here, deliberately, I am. I haven't slept for 18 hours. I haven't eaten for 11 hours. And the man's trying to tell me, does Trent play centre mid? There is a real reason why Trent cannot play centre mid. At right back, you have the entire pitch in front of him. And you never get pressed by wingers for 90 minutes. In midfield, he'll be getting pressed constantly. Reese James yeah. is actually the pro- a much better profile to play centre mid. He's much more physical. He's much quicker in possession. Trent needs time on the ball, generally speaking. And you, the best position you get time on the ball is at right back. It's also why he can't really play right wing back either. Because even at right wing back, the left wing back's pushing on you or the left back's pushing on you. So Trent in centre mid, you're on crack. I'm sorry, Sam. Um, <laughs> that's my Sam rant done. I'll take it easy on you from now on. <laughs> um, I'm sure you have not by Groovy now. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. See, that's how you convince someone. You just put there them you in your corner. <laughs> um, the Bellingham-Liverpool debate can ramble on for a while. Um, I, I am a little bit concerned about Klopp's choice with this eighth midfielder thing and not signing a midfielder. I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty more times with plenty of other guests. Uh, for now, it's the end of the midfielder chat. And we'll be back with you in a second to talk about all or nothing. Following the release of Arsenal's All or Nothing documentary, which I have actually not watched as of yet, uh, which club would you want to see have an All or Nothing documentary and why? Now, there is no caveat to this. You can go back to 1941 for all I care. But what I want to know is which club would you have liked to sort of see from the way we get to see All or Nothing, now, I personally am not a huge fan of All or Nothing. I'm just going to put that out there, which is why I'm not sure whether I want to follow that route. For me, All or Nothing essentially just glorifies what we already know ever so slightly. So I'm saying think more on the lines on Netflix, F1. You know how the, the what, what is the F1 called? My, Drive my to Survive. Yeah, look at these big F1 fans, these sofa, sofa fans. I've never watched F1 in their life. Um, drive, to su- drive to Survive. Think Drive to Survive. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Uh, where would you like to go? I'll be on. Mine's a bit of a general answer, but anywhere Jose Mourinho's been. Because uh, the all or nothing Tottenham thing was a bit over PR, Jose. But if you go back to Real Madrid, Jose v Pep, or the Chelsea Jose's looking... Uh, when he got sacked and like the Eva Canero stuff, obviously 2015. Um, yeah, just anything Jose is just box office drama. You can't deny it. You, you can hate him all you want, football rise, but the guy's box office TV wherever he is. So anything with Jose. Roger nodding with such confidence. I'm so keen to hear why you're back no, with Jose. I was just nodding uh, because of Sam. I actually met the Chelsea physio last week who was involved in the Eva Carnero. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't just oh. Eva. It was also a, uh, a physio called John Swift. Um, and he, yeah, he, he talked a lot about that very interesting story. Uh, yeah, can, I'll you, uh, can you enlighten, enlighten us on um, what yeah. happened in that conversation? Yes, yeah, it's juicy. Well, I didn't ask too many details, but let's just say Mourinho wasn't his preferred member of staff out of all the Chelsea managers. He says Tommy Tuchel is a lovely guy. Oh, good old Tommy. 
I, I, I really wasn't here to hear good good stuff about Tommy Tuchel. I, I'll be <laughs> honest. I, I was I was absolutely desperate for some juicy gossip on Jose. What he, what all he said was Jose is just not a guy I want to work under. I don't want a lawsuit from Chelsea Football Club, uh, Rambo. Let's, uh, You're in a safe space. We don't. Ha- we're not. We don't have a hundred thousand listeners yet. You're in a safe place. <laughs> uh, let's let's cut that one short. No. Well, um, I think it would be genuinely fascinating to see that Jose and Pep rivalry. I think that is probably the only time you've seen Pep really change his uh, ideology. Um, because Jose took him to a, a dark place with the eye gorging, if I'm not wrong, um, yeah. the Pepe antics and all of that stuff. If I was to give you my answer to the all or nothing, it'll be ones that you guys have not thought of. I, I'm so I'm chuffed with this one. It is the France 2010 World Cup. Raymond oh, yeah. versus Patrice yeah. Evra. Anelka was there. It was drama. It was chaos. Yeah, I loved it. And if we had like a behind the scenes of like, or more so, not behind the scenes, I want like world star. I want like world star type of footage where they're camera phones and we see everything that's going on because that was something, even though it was in 2010, it was just crazy back then. Do you see the uh, Anelka documentary? It did touch on it a bit. Um, yeah, 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 man, that was, that was absolute chaos. Even the France, even the France team of the last World Cup with the, the speaking of Rabio, Rabio's mum calling out Mbappe and Pogba. Oh, yeah. It's just the France yeah. team, man. I think that one, that World Cup was a period of where France had a lot of characters that later on in their careers were sort of labelled as like bad eggs, essentially. Um, Anelka in particular, who's definitely misunderstood. I don't know if that was an Amazon documentary, but just while that was I'm on the, the Netflix. Oh, was it? Okay, well, yeah, just yeah. on that on that topic, very temporarily, Amazon, I know I said earlier that I don't watch All or Nothing and I don't really rate it. If you want to sponsor the pod, I love All or Nothing and I listen to it. <laughs> I'll watch every single episode of All or Nothing back to back. I'll do a thread on Twitter, all right? Cash is needed and cash can make me do anything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on, uh, Raj, what is your... I feel like you're going to come out with a mat. If you come out with something like Levante 2001-2002, I'm walking out this hotel room, I'm checking out and walking all the way back to Leeds. Nah, I'm going to go for Bolton in the early 2000s. Big Sam and a Kotcha. Yeah, exactly. The the dynamic there must have been amazing. you got Big Sam with his pints of wine and chips and gravy. And you got all these exotic stars, like a Kotcha, Jorkayev. Ivan Campo, Hierro, all coming across. I just want to see how did Big Sam relate to these kind of guys and get them <laughs> challenging for Europe. I mean, that's got, there's got to be some unreal stories there. But yeah, also an amazing achievement. I think Bolton only got promoted. Uh, and then a season afterwards, they were already challenging for the Champions League. And I think they got fifth place in the end. The, the Sam Allardyce Bolton were serious, man. They beat Arsenal every, like twice a year. It was ridiculous. I was a bit young for Bolton. I just think of them like Stoke. Back in the day. If I if I describe that Bolton team to you, that was like when Man City first signed Elano and all them man there. Except Bolton actually had really techie footballers yeah. who in the end went on to be like, Ivan Campo is a legend, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't actually know the rest of his career very well. But I just know the guy had a massive afro and was smashing him in for 40 yards out. Um, yeah, Piero was there. Yeah. Was there. Yeah. Oh my God. Who's got this like jar Anel- of random names? Anelka went Bolton as well. My all or nothing. And the two Arsenal boys are going to hate this. So if you don't jump in on me here, I'm giving you a real chance. Because w- I'm actually so keen to see what happened under the covers here. Arsenal 
after RVP left, but I'd like a combo season. Like, I want to see Arsenal and I want to see United because that was like genuine beef, but over one player. RVP actually just started like a war just for the sake of starting a war. He went over to United. He goes and wins the title with United. Number, was it number 21? Number 20. 20. Number 20. 21 um, 20, yeah. Scored that free kick against City, celebrated against Arsenal, complained after the game that Arsenal fans were booing him and all of this jazz. Um, and then later on in episodes, in, in interviews, he said, like, I always wanted to play for United. I knew I'd only ever win trophies at United. I want to know what was happening in that change room when Wenger sold him. Because I know for a fact the big characters in the dressing room probably walked over to Wenger and went, what are you doing? You've just handed them the title. It is by far, to this day, the most stupidest transfer especially because we're competing against that is it's like man city coming to liverpool now and going you need a midfielder you're here's de bruyne man like have him bro go with mate, the league it's, it's cut mate, I think it was at that point, RVP had one year left on his deal so yeah. it is actually similar to sterling how he's gone from man city to chelsea so they're in a bit of an awkward position where they have to take the fee but obviously they could have kept him and locked him for free instead the thing is van persie wanted to stay like he actually like the the whole story is he presented the Wenger and I don't know if he went to the Cronkies, but he certainly presented his plan to the Cronkies because he was the captain and obvious best player. He said, "Look, I'll stay if this vision is met. I'll stay at Arsenal if we go and do this." Like he wanted to know there was a plan, and so did the fans. To be fair, and they just said, "No, we can't do it." So it was like, "Well, see you later." To be fair, though, that that documentary would have seen Arsenal. Because if you look at that team, the 2012-13 team, our team wasn't all that. But we still managed to finish top four. We had a nice, respectable season. You know, we went on like a 10-game winning run at the end of the season. good characters. Yeah, we were like 12 points behind Spurs in March. And we still picked them to fourth. Yeah. Bro, you gave you gave United RVP full well knowing. Who, who cares, man? We finished fourth. It, it's, it's, it's wild to me. Like, back in the day, you lot were complaining about fourth. And now you lot are like, yo, fourth, man. Give me that fourth. Mate, it, it, it depends. It's it. context, though. It's context. Like, we were, we were a team that should have been going for the title every year and settling for fourth. Whereas now it's mm. like, we're clearly not as good as the teams above. So, therefore, fourth is, do you know what I mean? It's context. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Sam, that is great logic because Nubade was not using that. There we go. <laughs> he comes for me, I come back later. Exactly. Hey, listen, there's still a while to go on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and the producer's on my side, yeah? So when I say chop, that's the key word to chop Sam out this podcast. <laughs> no, you tread carefully. You're in the lion's den here. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the new segment, which is the no rating shout out of the week. I promise you will think of a much slicker name for it at some point because that's it's just way too long. Let's be honest, too many syllables. Uh, but essentially, we're going to look at someone who stood out for us but didn't get applauded. Now, obviously, we looked at uh, debuts. This will probably be a lot more relevant as the story goes on. Now, I'm going to very quickly throw out two options here, um, and they're not players. They're actually managers. And uh, me and the producer are on the exact same wavelength because he's actually just messaged me saying, can be managers too. So that's connection right there, finishing each of the sentences. Um, I am going to go for Ralph Hasenhuttle and um, Graham Potter. Ralph Hasenhuttle turned up in a three-piece suit. Graham Potter turned up in all black. But actually, the person that's getting applauded is Scott Parker. He's bringing sexy back, man. Every manager in the league now suddenly is like, oh, that's the level. That's the level. Trackies is not where it's at. I need to start rolling up in the free. I've never. I honestly don't think Ralph Hasenhuttle wore a three-piece suit to his own wedding. 
But the man <laughs> is wearing trackies 24-7. Um, but for whatever reason, he rolls... He sees Scott Parker. I'm telling you, Scott Parker is the standard bearer. Parker's always got his tie clip in there as well, hasn't he? The dudes who are like actually just peng and this this is going to some different direction now um <laughs> you they're adding details like cufflinks and these little pins on ties that we're not even thinking about like raj is clearly someone who is like the, the man just spotting the, the little detail raj just just talk me through like a wedding outfit you would wear just before we move on to your uh no rating shout out of the week I was thinking about that, actually. Seeing the Graham Potter black suit, I think I've changed my whole look for the next wedding. I'm going for the all black next time. <laughs> and then I posted something as well on the weekend. It was always Pochettino and Simeone in the dark black, all black suits. And that gave me some kind of good feeling. So I might go for that in the, at the next wedding. You just you, I don't know what it is. You look like a menacing figure. You look like you mean business. And, at a wedding? Yeah. My man's turned up to kill people at a wedding. I feel yeah. like that outfit's not working at a wedding. Oh, it could work at a funeral, though, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different vibe. <laughs> um, quick question on that all-black suit in case I decide to try it on. What colour socks are you wearing? Good question. It I reckon you've got to add a splash of colour in there, maybe some polka dot socks or something like that. <laughs> dead dead um remedy i'm gonna to come to you who is your sh- uh, no rating shout out of the week bruno Guimaraes from Newcastle. oh he stole my no rating he stole mine yeah good shout that out was, the one. was that yours yeah, yeah. Was that yours? yeah you're gonna to have to hold yeah, that you, you know, bruno Guimaraes, man. he is oh my god i don't know what he's doing to me but that guy is unbelievable. Like, watching this guy is bringing joy to my face. I'm a low-key Newcastle fan. I have a shirt. I'll try to wear it as much as I can. And I really like what he's brought to Newcastle. Him and Joe Linton, they have that little Samba connection, the Favela connection from Brazil. Like, watching him is unbelievable. It's mad how Newcastle just became ballers overnight, really, isn't it? It's like one January window, and now you watch them, and you're like, yeah, I like Newcastle. Well-run football club, I think. Yeah. Um... I'm once again going to come to a wild quote of yours, Remedy, and it is written in front of me this time. I don't know what he's doing to me, but he's unbelievable. <laughs> and then your that following is... your following thing that you said after that is, yeah, Raj, you're going to have to hold that. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm concerned, right? I know we spoke about Scott Parker, but what's happening here, you know? Out, out of context, no <laughs> ratings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sam, please go ahead. Um, I'll throw I'll throw a couple because I can't choose either Ben White because I feel I don't know why he he was getting slated on the timeline on Friday night when Zaha didn't do anything so therefore Ben White had a really good game so I think people are it's like ever since he signed people are desperate to call out Ben White I don't know like you said again is it because he's a peng looking guy because he is it's just facts he's a good looking guy he's cost fifty mil he's a baller. People just can't seem to give him praise when he deserves it. Remedy on Ben White here, uh, on a serious note, aside from the fact he's paying. Um, Wilfred Zaha tends to give most fullbacks in the league a lot of problems. Ben White was playing out of position. Uh, it could have very easily been an off day for Zaha, which is not completely uncommon. But Ben White seemed to defend against him like a centre-back would in a wide area, which is really interesting to me because most fullbacks will try and match up 
like you fullback square up and go, if you take me down the line, I'll chase after you. If you come inside, I'll try and prevent that from happening. or I'll show you to my center back. Ben White actually said, I'll just mark you man for man and won't let you go anywhere. I'm actually just going to mark you like a traditional center back would to a traditional forward. Uh, and it seemed to work. Firstly, on Zahar, I saw a tweet where someone says, <laughs> Zahar plays football like someone swore at his mum. Mum's got a permanent, permanent resting face, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that tweet killed me, man. But, um, <laughs> nah, look, Ben White, I think I saw a stat. I think he made eight tackles against Wilfred Zaha on the weekend, which is the most by an Arsenal player in an away game since like 2016. So... And what he was so good at, he had Saliba next to him. We haven't even touched on him in the podcast so far. Ben White, even though Zaha tried to get past Ben White when he did, Saliba was there to mop up. And it, they had a really good duo there. And it's like one goes, one covers, and vice versa. They they had a good tandem. So it was like, even though Ben White was one-on-one versus Zaha, he was never really alone against him. You're right, by the way. I can't believe I forgot to say Saliba in the debut section, by the way. What a guy, what a performance. Yeah. Um, you know he he sounds like the way he plays really mm. like mad authority but still really calm you ever heard you ever had that voice it's like a teacher's <laughs> voice oh your teacher walks in and says, quiet you're like oh. yeah 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 i'm sitting down like, bro you got a good no, teacher don't... voice though yeah i know bro i got a, i got a bit of this i got a bit of that you <laughs> know i can do a lot of things <laughs> Also, I want to apologise to anyone listening to this from France, Italy, or wherever in the world. The accents are not targeted to any continent or any country. They are just wild accents that just pour out my mouth at random times. That's um, such a funny disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other disclaimer is, uh, once again, Amazon, the sponsorship email is open. Uh, I love all or nothing. What a show. Um, good times. Uh, boys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it is extremely late that we're recording this, 11.40 for those who are listening and probably thinking there's a bit of wariness in the voice, pro- voices, should I say, uh, mine more than most. Um, but really appreciate your insight, appreciate the banter, uh, and please, in future, Sam in particular, I won't put it out there on this rare occasion, but just know I've got that clip in the can, and I will not be afraid of using it against you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rimity, always a pleasure having a chat with you, and Raj as well. Uh, thank you very much. I don't know when your next shift is, but you always post about nice shifts. I always feel bad for you. So this is my chance to say you're doing a great job. I'm very happy to have you about um, that. Shout out, Raj. See that? Ending it on good vibes. Normally I go after people. I'm in a good mood all of a sudden. You lot put me in a good mood. I'm about to go eat a late night pizza from this place across the road. It's probably going to charge me 12 quid because London prices are absolutely extortionate. Uh, for those of you listening at home, if you're eating or if you're just sleeping or if you're on a train or a tube, and if you've enjoyed the pod, then make sure you give it a five stars. Follow all the guys on social media as well. And follow the No Ratings pod on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter as well. That is all we have time for. But we will be back again same time next week. Thank you again uh, to all our guests. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.